Asiento. Take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket, March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. El Rio began her life in 1978 as a leather Brazilian gay bar. We are an LGBTQ plus space who is welcoming to all good people. We actively invest in communities to promote social change. We actively invest in our local arts and music scene to give space for artists. We actively pursue underserved communities in the use of our space. We are an awesome supporter of the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, hosting an incredible offside show. Wednesday, March 4th, 9 to 11 p.m. with LGBTQ plus and allied comics. So come out to 3158 Mission Street at Cesar Chavez, San Francisco. It's open every day at 2 p.m. with an incredible back patio. El Rio is your dive. Hey, everybody. Uh, we're going to get started with a podcast. Everybody clap your hands. Woo! Yay! All right, cool. Um, hi, I'm Amanda G. Amanda Golub. Um, I host a podcast called Near and Queer to My Heart. Um, it started in, in New Orleans. Um, I host a, a queer storytelling show there called Greetings from Queer Mountain. Um, we actually have shows in Austin and New York as well, and we're actually going to be having one in San Francisco soon, I think. So y'all be looking for that. But out of that, it's a, it's a queer storytelling show, and it's a really like amazing space for queer people to come and share their lives. And we thought, like, hey, these, these shows are so magical, and we capture this beautiful moment, but then it ends, and we're like, what do we do? <laughs> Fuck. So, uh, so we decided to, you know, start this podcast, Near and Queer to My Heart, where we get to know the storytellers and then also other queer performers, because you, we have so much more um, than, you know, just our, our stand-up or the story or the, the five to ten minutes we get on stage. So um, I was so honored when uh, Pam chose me to be part of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. I'm super excited. Like I said, I live in New Orleans, so made it out here for that. Um, and then I, uh, through that, met Jenna Vesper, who's with us. Hey, Jenna. How's it going? And uh, she's here for the festival, too. So I thought, hey, this is a really good chance for me to get to know her a little bit more, for y'all to get to know her a little bit more. Um, I did see her stand up a couple nights ago, and it was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was great. It was great. I got a lot to say about it. But, uh, you know, first, we'll get to know you a little bit better before we start, you know, with my diatribes of things, because um, I am, you know, pretty, pretty good at just ranting and raving for a long time. I, I would fit really well in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's good, though. Yeah. Um, so, Jenna, you live in Portland now. I do. I do. I am. I was born and raised in Napa, California, though. So it's kind of nice coming back to San Francisco. Um, and 
like having little memories of my childhood, you know, come at me all of a sudden. How long uh, were you in Napa? I was born and raised there. I left when I was, um, I was on the road moving to Portland on my 18th birthday. Oh, wow. I like, celebrated my 18th birthday on the road. Was it the kind of place that you were like, I hate it, I just have to get out? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a really, it's like a smallish town and what have you, but it's, it's just very conservative and just nothing really to it unless you're rich or you love wine and I am neither of those things. Um, so Portland was definitely a nice place to go to because you can be, you know, a little bit more broke. And if you like beer, perfect place. Then you're in the fucking perfect place for it. Yeah, y'all like beer a little too much for yes. my taste. I just, I'm like, just give me a beer. And they're mm-hmm. like, what kind? And it's a, uh, <laughs> what percentage? And it's microbrewery and what, I don't know, yeast or ale. Yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't know, because I just drink... Same with the wine, too. Like, Mm -hmm. I've been to... Mostly, I've been to Napa for bachelorette parties, so that's why I'm like, how do... I'm like, where do the people who live here come from? Because I just feel like it's just a bunch of tourists and and drunk, you know, girls' weekends and bachelor and bachelorette parties and, um, I guess, weddings and and things that happen. And I was like, I wouldn't want to live here. And, like, every... Like, during the week, it's probably awesome. And then on the weekends, you're like, oh, my God, if I hear one girl scream one more time, woo, like, I'll lose my shit. But I would imagine that that would actually be the case in New Orleans, too just yeah. walking down the street is a bunch of people partying yeah bourbon crazy. street yeah bourbon street yeah that's the place where when i have friends visit i'll i walk them down one time and i'm like we're gonna go from the start to the finish and that's it and if you want to go back you turn around and go back and i'm gonna keep going the other way <laughs> but yeah we do have a, a lot of that but we keep it in a contained area yeah, definitely for sure which is which is nice for sure napa is just I mean, it's changed, so I haven't been in, like, eight years, so I'm about to go back after this festival, um, because it's definitely no way I can come down this close and not go see my family. They would hate me forever. Um, but I'm not really looking forward to it. I mean, I've obviously stayed away for eight years, but I, I've heard it's changed and gotten its version of, like, gentrification in a way. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to go there, because it was already pretty, um, you know, privileged area, but also didn't have anything of interest, though. There's a couple like, of breweries now, though, right. so you it might be interested. It was just always, interested. like, rich people just living a life, but it was never, there really wasn't anything, like, fun to do, or a cool bar to go to, or anything, but now, apparently, they have all that stuff, so it's just going to be kind of, probably interesting, and I don't know, but, I mean, honestly, if, like, I can get a good espresso, or, like, a macchiato while I'm there, I'll be very happy, because beforehand, it's always just, it was just, like, Starbucks, maybe, you know? Yeah. No, like coffee culture that i'm used to from portland oh my god which yeah is showing my privilege as well i'm sure <laughs> was what are there things to do in napa for kids like i like i said i've only um, done very very smoke adult drugs sm- at the uh, <laughs> skate park i said smoke drugs yeah <laughs> i was like did you do that <laughs> or did you just hear about the cool kids doing that <laughs> clearly i smoked too many drugs that now i can't <laughs> form words um no i didn't really do a ton of the drugs i smoked pot when i was younger but um that was it but there is a huge meth problem in napa Uh, a lot of people don't think that because they think it's just so like affluent and nice but same yeah my hometown from santa clarita outside of la and Mm -hmm. i learned that later on that it's apparently a huge meth place Mm -hmm. (laughs) i had no idea i think a lot of people at least in napa they were trying to live outside of their means like the people who who weren't quite like from wealth um wanted to live like that and so there was just a lot of like delusional like living and trying to be this and it it affected people you know and then i think drugs were just there to kind of ease the pain because 
so many people. I mean, maybe I'm just speaking from experience, but like pretty much everyone in my family, other than maybe my grandparents, used meth. <laughs> I guess too, you have like the space, like you can create meth. There's like places. Oh, to, it's harder. So it's harder bad. to do it in a city city, you yeah. know? I mean, Portland has its issues as well in that sense, but I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit more chill up there. People are more apt to just smoke pot and drink like you said just drink and stay inside and be depressed in that way (laughs) (laughs) depression with like a little bit more of a a realistic look at it versus like let me just try to act like i'm better than everyone else i don't know yeah so are are your parents from there too like are you Mm -hmm. like third fourth generation napa yeah yeah i'd say probably second or third generation yeah um my grandparents I think were the ones that moved there, maybe. But I don't know much about them other after that. Okay. You know. well, did your parents like work with wine? I, no. Is that, okay. I was like, what are their jobs? Are yeah. Are no. there? My mother worked for the hospital. My father was a construction worker. So we lived a pretty like just normal middle class life, um, lower middle class, I guess. Uh, nothing, you know, too fancy, but it was just, I knew that like, if I wanted to live on my own or go to college or do anything like that, I would have to leave because we didn't have the means to do any of that and to like live to, you know, live with my partner at the time would have, um, been impossible. So we moved to Portland because there was family nearby on his side and, um, and I don't know, we just kind of went there and it was, I was able to like, go to a trade school and start a career for a while until that all blew up. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> okay. So you get to Portland, you're 18, you were mm-hmm. the partner. Mm-hmm. Um, how My high school sweetheart at okay. the time. Yeah. How long were you all together? Uh, seven and a half long years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like from when you were kids or? Mm-hmm. Like 16. I started dating. Yeah. And then seven and a half years after that. That's a, that's a little longer than any relationship I've had. And oh, I'm 34 yeah, now, so oh that's gosh. pretty impressive. <laughs> Thanks. It was it was not the best relationship, but it was. Um, I learned a lot, you know. Got you out of Napa. myself. Yeah, I got me. Mean, we yeah, we moved up there. We had this, a lot of the same goals and everything. He was just kind of a uh, emotional abuser and mm-hmm. um, kind of a shithead. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. No, it's fine. I'm trying to think like the funny parts. I've been trying. Okay, so like you don't have to think of the fun. No. Everyone comes on here and they're so like, "I'm trying funny. to be so funny," and I'm like, "It's it's not it's not it might be funny mm-hmm. and we might you know it might be sad. Like we can have all kinds of you know whatever uh, conversations we want to have. There's no uh, parameters. True. I just it's interesting because I do eventually I want to try to talk about um because we got married at one point i do want to try to talk about my like marriage and divorce on stage in some way one day but i've yet to like figure out a way to make it funny other than that when i tell people i've been married sometimes they are like very shocked by that because i mean the viewers can't the listeners can't see me right now i'm just very like kind of eccentric i'm 32 but i look i feel like i look like i'm trying to be 21 (laughs) i think and i and i kind of just like live a very like yolo-esque type life like I, I live in a living room right now i'm just like no car no aspirations no career and uh people are just like whoa you were married and you like had a real job and a house and a whole thing and i was like yeah but it was i was really unhappy how, how <laughs> was, old were you when you got married 24 I think, yeah. Yeah, see, because I, I think about, like, who I was with when I was 24. I'm like, man, if I'd gotten married, 
I, I would, we would, I mean, we broke up anyway, mm-hmm. but like if we got married, we probably would have tried to stay together longer because oh, yeah. we were married. Oh, yeah. um, and that I also, pressure. you know, I think too, like my parents' generation, like they were married. My mom was 23 when they got married. And my dad was 25. And my dad's like, we were the oldest ones of our friends that weren't married because mm-hmm. he didn't want to get married. He was like, I just, we're living together. It's great. Yeah. Let's just fucking stay. Let's just live together and hang out like we do. We don't need marriage. And mm-hmm. then every one of their friends was married. The parents were, you know, back then, I think there's a lot more oh, yeah. pressure. So they ended up getting married. Um, and he's like, I was 25 and the oldest one of my friends. And I'm like, that's oh. insane. I'm 34 and I have tons of friends that aren't married. Exactly. And it's a very common thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't feel bad about it. I live with my girlfriend now. We've been together almost two years and nobody's putting pressure on me to, you know, if, if we do decide to get married in the future, it'll be a, you know, decision that we make, but I can't, you know, imagine, you know, having, if I had been married in my twenties, I think that's such a different experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really was for sure. And there was pressure from my family to do it. And it was definitely a mistake. I had like a total breakdown, like a week before the wedding. I remember like, and crying and figuring and thinking like, Oh, I don't want to do this. But like the invitations were already sent. People were coming, you yeah. know, it was like a whole thing. So I don't know. One day I'll think about, I'm actually, I mean, I've processed it. I've moved on. It's been about seven years, six years. I'm bad at math. <laughs> so like, I'm not even like really traumatized by it, but it's just like, I want to try to find somehow to make it funny, but yeah, it hasn't come to me. It, it'll, it'll come. There's a lot of experiences that I have that I try to take them back, mm-hmm. you know, through comedy mm-hmm. and through the funny. Amazing. And sometimes you try and it just like, it doesn't work out. Um, but I have a joke that I'll tell later tonight and it's actually, um, about a really bad experience. I had at a gynecologist. It was right after I came out of the closet and I went to the gyno and I was so excited, you know, to be like, oh, you know, this is a chance where I can come out to somebody and, and be like, oh, you yeah, know, I'm not on birth control because I'm gay. I don't need birth control. And then this lady was like super Christian and was trying wow. to get me to like date her son and like laid into me about how wrong I am. And I'm, you know, in the fucking paper gown yeah, on the stirrups, like it's the weirdest place to be. And I just start crying. And oh. I'm like 23 at the time, but I was still on my mom's health insurance. Yeah. So she was in the weight room. So I come out of, of the gyno and I'm crying. And my mom's like, what did they do to you in there? You know? Just so, emotionally abuse me. Yeah. And then she laid into them and, you know, it's a whole, so I, I, I now have a whole joke about it, but it took a while. It took wow. years for me to like get that out, but it was something that still, I mean, I happened when I was 23 and I still think about it every once in a while and get mm-hmm. really angry and pissed off that that was an experience that I had. Yeah. That's real. That's but you'll, real. you'll get there and I'm yeah. looking forward to <laughs> oh, yeah. one day hearing me talk about yeah. my, my shitty ex-husband. <laughs> oh man. So. Well, can, yeah. Can I ask, um. Oh, sorry. I don't know what I did with this mic because I don't know how technology works, which is why I'm glad I'm here in this studio. Um, I can't hear through the the headphones. That's okay, though, right? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. It's good. Um, I was going to ask, and if you don't have an answer for this, it's fine because I'm not trying to put any boxes on it. But Mm -hmm. um, I like to ask um, you how you identify. Yeah. I, um, for the longest time, have, since I was like probably 14, have identified as bi. But I would say in the last year, year and a half, come to like, um, identifying more as like pansexual in the sense that as, as I've just grown as a person, I've like learned and become more woke, uh, as the kids say, um, to like gender not being a binary and, um, me realizing, you know, all of just like being attracted to people more, you know, yeah. that now I'm like, I want to start identifying more as pansexual. I've felt nervous to do that in some ways because I don't want to like, I've, I know as a bi person, I've had, uh, issues with not feeling welcome in certain 
aspects of the community for better or for worse and I don't always like I don't want to like come in and be like I need all of the respect and everyone just listen to what I have to say because I don't want to do that because I have experienced the privilege of being uh, perceived as straight my entire life you know yeah no Which is, um like, annoying <laughs> yeah no i think it's interesting one of the comics in new orleans she's bisexual and mm-hmm. she has and she has a joke about how like now that trump's president and things are kind of crazy like um that in the future though like it's it's kind of a messed up joke about gays being in concentration camps oh, almost yeah. and it's like oh the you know gay men will do the hair for everybody and the lesbians will build the things and the bisexuals will just be happy that they're there it's, <laughs> you know the crux of the joke but i feel like with what you just said you might identify with with that joke yes, exactly i'm just happy to be accepted by somebody um yeah because i don't know i've had issues i mean because my my shitty ex-husband like he he was he found my bisexuality to be like a turn-on but something that he could use and something that was like his in a way and like we had three summons together when we were together but with with other females, but it was all like by his design and his choice, and I never got to like have any, you know, um, say in it really. And they were not great experiences, and so for a long time, I would still always identify as bi, but that I would just like be. Um, I have a ton of internalized misogyny because of it and well, society and what have you, but would just think that like, oh, I was only sexually attracted to women and not romantically attracted to them because. They're dramatic or whatever, and plus also he just kind of made me feel shitty about it, and the experiences we had with other women were not focused on my pleasure, Yeah, and maybe not even theirs, I mean, because he was kind of shitty that way, but, um, so then I was always just like, I don't know if I even am, like, the right kind of buy, because I just couldn't really explore it. Yeah, well, society wants to put you in a box, and it sounds like your ex-husband wanted to put you in a different box or yeah. a box within that box, and then that doesn't allow you the mental space or, you know, capacity to really explore that on your own terms. So. Yeah, and it's just, like, so much easier to live the, you know, more straight-identified life and to just, like, pick up dudes and date dudes and be around dudes, you know? So it was, I just continued that. Even after I left him, I just kind of continued down that path for a while until I started, like... Yeah, just exploring it more and opening up and meeting some really awesome queer people that, like, would question me on, like, the internalized misogyny and the issues that I was having, um, probably even internalized homophobia, and be like, wait, do you really think that way? And it's like, oh, no, I don't actually. Yeah. And I break it down, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I, I definitely, um, I mean, I think we overthink that I think a lot of queer people overthink a lot of things and I I do and I like to talk about it too because Mm -hmm. we've had there's been so much in my life where I haven't been able to talk about it that now that I'm finally able to talk about you know being queer and what that means and what that means for my partners and what Mm -hmm. their experiences are in mine it's you know it's pretty pretty amazing yeah you you said at 14 you identified as bisexual were you coming out to people yeah I came out to my mother um and that's pretty much I came out to my first ever like female kiss partner weird way to say it um a girl at school that I was friends with and um yeah and had my first kiss with her and then like never that's never you know that's probably as far as I went because I was also I mean I was just young and not really that sexual yet um but I just knew that I was always attracted to women so I came out to my mother she was supportive 
Um, I told her while she was driving though, and she almost drove off the road because she was like kind of surprised by it. <laughs> that was a fun moment. I, I definitely that's remember. That's dangerous in Napa. <laughs> she was she was actually probably high at the time because she was a drug addict. But um, so she was supportive of it though. And then like, and then I then I met my high school sweetheart when I was sixteen, and then he just always knew about it. Um, so you're always open with him from the yeah. jump. And then I was always open about with every um, male partner that I was with um, for any length of time. And I had some better experiences, that, you know, afterwards with, like, boyfriends that were more like, oh, that's awesome. This is a part of you. And uh, if you want to explore that with, uh, you know, me, like, yeah. let's do it in the future. But never, never, you know, not too many experiences with that. And then... Is there any like jealousy issues? Kind of like, mm-hmm. um, like my current girlfriend now um, has dated men in the past, and I definitely uh, there's some different energy that happens, mm-hmm. and so there's definitely been a lot of discussions about you know what what that what that means. So yeah, I think he was jealous of that, jealous of it, that. Yeah, I would want to be with somebody else and not him. I mean, but I think that boils down to like his own insecurities because he also never wanted us to have like a male male threesome you know either it was all just his own insecurities for sure about that um because i think some of it's insecurities and i think some of it's like society just telling us like that there are these different because part because in my mind i'm like it doesn't matter first of all it doesn't matter who anybody dates beforehand because that's you know all that equals the person that you're dating now um and you know that they make up that beautiful wonderful person that you're dating now um and sometimes the bad experiences actually make them a better person or you know whatever it is but then i think with all the stuff we've been taught especially like yeah it kind of blew my mind when we finally we're talking about non-binary yeah because i you know didn't think of growing up you don't think about it because you're just taught this is how it is. I mean, even for me to come out to myself, like I was always taught it was like men and women are together and mm-hmm. I didn't have any real life role models or examples and very rarely you saw it on TV growing up. And so like things are way different now. And, yeah. um, you know, I think it's, things are a lot more common. Which is, I mean, it's so, it's, yeah, it's changing so much. So as far as like public, um, yeah, knowledge and everything, obviously, uh, people who've been living as non-binary or um, trans or, you know, however they want to identify for forever, for a long time, we just haven't talked about it much, you know, very openly. Um, so I remember even when I started to become more open to dating women, even romantically two years ago, I still was not even really, like, that hep to, like, what uh, somebody would you know, somebody that would identify, um, as non-binary and all the different spectrums of it. So I was like, even then I was still just like, Oh, I'm just, I'm still just a bisexual and I still just date women and men. And, um, and then the whole, like, do, am I attracted to women who are more like feminine or, or, you know, masculine identifying and all everything in between. That was still such a huge struggle for me and it didn't go well. I had some, some friends, some queer friends that didn't, like my coming out process again because at that point I was like age 30 kind of coming out again because I had always just identified somebody who was just like sexually attracted to women but didn't think anything as far as romantically with them and then I basically came out again in a way of like no I'm actually interested in like ex- like living a life that's I guess you would identify as queer and that was like a whole new thing and even though I didn't really have to come out to like you know family or anything about it and have experience any um major pushback 
it was still scary because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And I still felt like I was going to fuck it up. And I did fuck it up, I think. You know, I fucked it up with some friends by not using the right terminology, not saying the right kind of stuff, uh, asking the wrong questions that maybe I could have just Googled, you know, <laughs> like that kind of shit. No, it's good you're trying to have open conversations. And... I was, and I, and I felt safe in the time that I was doing it, and then it kind of bit me in the ass later. But also, ultimately, even... I'm still thankful for those experiences and and from the the learning that I learned from it, you know, having to like go home and like kind of like clean my wounds and be like, okay, you're right. <laughs> I didn't go about that correctly. Um, and that doesn't feel good. But like I needed to go through it somehow, you know? Yeah. And it was like another coming out process. So I'm not going to make, it's not going to be hundred percent perfect. I'm going to make some mistakes, you know, in the process. And probably hurt people in the process, which is the shitty part, but, you know, it's ever changing. I feel like it's, a, you know, evolution. Yeah, if you have any intent, you know, even if asking questions, if that might uh, bother people, like, if you have good intentions, I think I mean, that's I'd like to think, but, important, too. But I think that's even, like, another thing where I still, like, I'm a little nervous, like, coming out and starting to be like, oh, I'm pansexual, I'm whatever, because I feel like I don't know enough about gender politics and everything to be, like... Um, to have like a full super educated dialogue with somebody and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings that really makes me feel um nervous but to you do can't, that you can't lose yourself in the process you I know? know yeah that's why that's why when I asked you I'm like I'm going to ask you how you identify and if you don't have an answer that's okay I'm not yeah. trying to you know pinhole because I've gotten into that um like I personally identify as lesbian that's the mm -hmm. identity I use I don't use dyke I don't use queer for mm -hmm. myself and that's just how I feel comfortable it's how I've always felt comfortable um but I've gotten in trouble too like one of my friends I'm like yeah lesbians like us <laughs> and like you know ri like rip her a little mm -hmm. bit and she was like I don't identify that way and yeah. then I felt like such a shitbag yeah. but I didn't I had good intentions and you know and she was realized later her response she was like i'm sorry i was like, kind of harsh with you but she's like i'm very tired of that and I'm like no i understand oh yeah 100%. like i didn't take it personal i just felt bad that i made you know but then now in the future i try not to make mm -hmm. those assumptions so i've learned <laughs> from some experiences i've learned some i continue to make the same mistakes again um but yeah i get that too like i dated my first i came out 23 dated my first girlfriend 23 to 27 mm -hmm. we broke wow. up um, she thought I'd come to New Orleans actually because we were dating. And then after that, she was like, so you're leaving, right? And I was like, no, I kind of like yeah, it here. And I honestly can't afford to, <laughs> to move or do anything else. Um, and so I'm 27 and I'm single for the first time. And I didn't know, I'd never really asked anybody out. Mm. I'd only been with one woman. Like <clears throat> I didn't have any clue what I was wow. doing. Um, and I learned by trial and error a whole bunch, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I can't imagine. To have that be like, yeah, your only experience was just kind of this one, I don't know, like this one ride, I guess, if you're looking at yeah. like an amusement park and it's just like this one thing that you did over and over again with like different, you know, fun things, I'm sure. Yeah. Three years-ish, you know, but then to kind of like get off that ride and be like, wait... What, what what now yeah it was you know she was a former jehovah's witness so she had her own issues oh, yeah. with like she wasn't out and that was a, that was and what ended up really like killing everything because i couldn't um i was out and it really put me back in the closet mm. and i felt really 
Oh my gosh. Uh, it, it was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. But funny story. Uh, now, yeah, so that right after her, I dated another girl that I met online because that's what you, <laughs> that's where you go mm-hmm. uh, when you don't know how to like uh, talk to <laughs> women. Um, and anyway, so the second girl I dated and the my first girlfriend are now together. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm trying to write a joke about it other than just saying that, other than just saying this is a thing that happened um, <laughs> that I have to see on Facebook occasionally. <laughs> It fits all the stereotypes. <laughs> it really does. But like, oh, I mean, that's the thing, right? I don't know. I I, Dan, I listen to Dan Savage a lot, and he talks about that when like uh, straight callers will call in, and they'll be like, I just can't believe somebody, my friend would date somebody else that I once dated or whatever. And then he usually is like, yeah, that doesn't really happen in the gay community because you, you would run out of people <laughs> to fuck. If you cared about who fucked who and when and how, you know, like (laughs) if you like made the same rules that straights usually make of like, you know, bros for foes or whatever, you never do that. It's like, then you would run out of people and that's not possible. (laughs) Yeah. Can still, uh, can still happen. (laughs) Oh man. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I feel like Portland is a pretty, um, like oddly small town, oddly small queer community too. Oh, really? I thought there'd be a bigger queer community. It's big. I mean, I guess it's huge, but, like, it's still... That town is just so weird. Like, you just see everybody. You can't escape anything, I feel like. I went there once in... Oh, God. I want to say 2004. Mm -hmm. So it's been some time. I spent... I had a friend that lived there. I spent a weekend there. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't like it. Yeah, that's before it changed majorly again. Maybe I'll have to give it another chance, because I met at this festival, I met a lot of cool Portland folks, but Uh I went there, and it seemed like everything closed super early. Everybody was, uh, I don't know, I just didn't get a good vibe from people. Like, everyone was in a hurry. Everyone, you know, I kind of... The dudes were taking the flannel from the women, which I didn't, oh my, you know. Yeah, that's like still my, the same. <laughs> like my lesbian flannel. Yeah. Um, Cheers to that. I'm not a woods person, so that kind of threw me off, too. But yeah. I'd be at a bar, and there'd be, like, three things on the menu, and then they'd close. You know, I'm like, you're open till 2, and mm-hmm. it's, like, one thirty, and they're like, get out. And I'm like, I don't like no, this. that's still the same. That's so funny. You're right. Like, that's still definitely the same. We, like, the town, like, drinks hard. We drink hard, but we drink hard early because we're all just, like, functioning alcoholics. I think we all just really, like okay, I'm going to get this fucking shit done by 10 because I do have to work in the morning. I am blacked out, but it's done early. <laughs> see, in New Orleans, we start early and we keep going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. You ever see yourself anywhere else? I do. I, um, I've been thinking about Pittsburgh because I hear a lot of nice things about it. Um, or going big and going to like New York or Chicago because I'm also um, a nanny and that's what I do during the day and um, and I love doing it but part of me is like oh maybe I could like go and work for like a really rich family (laughs) you know one of those bigger cities and then have my room and board taken care of and all that stuff it just would suck because it would hinder eventually dating because you wouldn't be able to ever bring anybody to your place of living but that means they have to have a place. Exactly, which is kind of nice, and that's not always a guarantee in Portland <laughs> um, that you're going to go fuck somebody at a place they have. But I, uh, but also my dating has always been just so fucking all over the place. I haven't had like a serious relationship in almost four years. So Have you been looking, or is it just the way? Yeah, no, I have been. And I've had like some nice, wonderful connections and moments with people that have lasted like three or four months. But... 
they usually just it always just ends somehow i don't really know i was like does it just get really weird at some yeah, point no, this like the last girl is it like seinfeld's where it's like one thing and you're like i can't do this I anymore no yeah I, the last girlfriend i was i would consider a girlfriend it still only lasted three months it was really wonderful um ultimately i knew it probably wouldn't last forever because she was very strictly monogamous and i don't believe in that I don't know exactly what I believe in, but I don't want to be in a strictly monogamous relationship for the rest of my life. So I was like, it probably won't work out forever. But I was still interested in dating her because she was wonderful. And she treated me nicely. But she kept saying that she wasn't good in relationships. And I was like, well, what does that mean? I'm telling you that you are because I like dating you. So, like, can you just listen to what I'm saying? She's like, okay, okay. But then she was really nervous about... Uh, well, I get, long long story short, we I was like, let's go get like a dildo though, you know, to add to the bedroom. And she's like, I've never been to one of those stores before. What? She was from like, the Midwest, and she was real. Oh, I was like, did she come right out of the church? Yeah, but, I mean, kind of. And she was thirty two, I think, and had been out her whole life or most of her life, but was still just like very kind of straight and narrow about it. And because uh, that's not even like that wild. Like, no, that's not you know. No, exactly. <laughs> that seems to me like a very normal conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't have blinked an eye at that. So that's... She had had ones and used ones before, but, like, it wasn't by her doing, you know? Like, she didn't go out and purchase them herself, really. But that's so part like, of the thing. Let's you know? go together. Yeah. So I took her to, like, a really great sex shop um, in town, and we, like, picked one out. She picked out the color she wanted, and, and I helped pick out the size, because... I have a very tight vagina. There's jokes about it if you want to hear me online. Mm-hmm. And uh, we bought it, and we didn't get a chance to use it that night because we had dinner plans with her two gay uncles and her mother. It was really nice. And I was like, hey, let's go. Wow, let's you met the that. family. We already met the family, yeah. and they were really wonderful. And then, so we didn't get a chance to use the dildo. No big deal. Right. And then I was going to see her that Wednesday, and I was really excited. And then she came over and broke up with me. <laughs> What? Those dildos are not cheap. It was like ninety dollars. Shit. And, and Did she you get like the glass one. Jesus. She bought it. No, oh. it was like a nice, just a nice silicone like one. Ninety dollars. Oh, Portland is expensive. <laughs> oh boy, niche, niche dildo. Now you're not community. selling me on Portland. No, yeah, it's really intense. If, if you were like all those things you said are true, but there's cheap sex toys, I'd be like, I'll consider it. No, not really. And uh, I was like pretty bummed about it, and she broke up just because she um, she thought things were getting too serious. I think that the purchase of the dildo made it too serious for her. Not the meeting of the mom and the no, gay exactly. uncles. That was not serious. Yeah. And uh, then <laughs> she's got some shit to figure she, out. That's what she said. So I was like, valid. You do. You definitely have things to work on, and I don't really want to be here for this. So I guess bye. But then, like, I definitely texted her the next day. I was like, yo, but can I actually get that dildo though? Because um, you bought it for me. Right? Yeah. Like, because that's what she was saying. Yeah. She did buy it, like, for me. And I was like, so can I get that? Because, <laughs> like, it's kind of like if you, like, a, if you proposed to me and gave me a ring and then the engagement broke, like, we broke the engagement, I would get to keep that ring. Yeah. That's usually the standard. And she just never replied to that. Text. <laughs> like, do you have any jokes about this? Because I, I think, okay. I said it once and I was like. I was like, this is good. I was like, I, somehow I said something about how it, it was like one of those nice dildos, one of those ones you put in the foyer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I felt like it was, you know, really unfortunate that she didn't give it to me because I feel like it's uh, possession is nine inches of the law. <laughs> that was the one joke I had from it. I like it. But um. I was bummed about that dildo. Never, never got to see it again. I you're wonder like, if she I ever used it. You're like, I don't remember her name, but that dildo, beautiful. Do you believe in the whole, like, um, 
relationship juju staying on the dildos yeah absolutely clean slate i don't but clean slate. i believe yeah. i i support you and your yeah because honestly if somebody if i come to somebody's house and um you know i have a joke about that where it's like my ex wanted all the sex toys and i was like great i was just gonna throw them away because oh, like yes, i don't i'm not gonna offer this to somebody else mm-hmm. you know i don't want to like because you know you know where it's been and and that's but if they're like top quality silicone that you can wash and like really sanitize like look my, they're safe to use yeah most of my breakups i just want out Valid. like yeah. if i'm the one that's breaking up i want out and i give up everything mm-hmm. um my first breakup my girlfriend that i had for um 23 to 27 all i wanted was the cat <laughs> i was like you can have all the furniture i just want this cat and i got Did the cat okay, yeah good. yeah i got him um and yeah, so I lost everything, and so the sex toys were included in all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, like a year later, she was like, "Come by and get this box," and then I got some of my DVDs and stuff that she decided she didn't want, you know, <laughs> after that time. But otherwise, uh, the table, chairs, everything that didn't matter. I just, you know, that like I'm not. That. To me, it's not worth fighting over. No, for sure. You know, even yeah. if it was, ex- and none of it was expensive because we're young and broke. But right. even if it was, it's not. It's not worth it unless it's like a family heirloom or something that's irre- like the cat that's irreplaceable. But I'm just saying though, if you had spent like hundred and fifty dollars on a total like harness dildo set that fits your body well, <laughs> you feel really well. good with it. I'm assuming a lot about your sex. Sorry, I don't, <laughs> don't need to meet. Yeah, I'm just my saying, girlfriend's not listening. <laughs> if you were that type of person who, who really felt like you know, then like, then. You're not going to, I would find it hard pressed to like throw all of that away and get a new $150 set for the next time you're in a serious relationship and you want to yeah. use it because, because it has been in somebody else. You don't get to throw away a dick, like a real dick no. after it's been in somebody, <laughs> you just hopefully wash it, put a condom on it. But like, you can't just like throw that. It's so, like the idea that like this relationship juju just sticks on dicks forever or dildos is like funny to me. i don't know i'm kind of because i'm kind of old school it's like okay the thing with the, the harness though, i'm like some harnesses like th- that is hard to find it's hard to find like a, but the, the dildo you could replace That's that true. shit yours is interesting because you never used it so mm-hmm. that is an unused purchase and you can't really return it like I even know. if it's unused you can't return exactly. it so that one i probably would have pushed a little harder than than one text for yeah um, but i'm i'm, I'm like... old school like i kind of believe like everyone you're with like uh, especially in a relationship or in love with like you give them a little piece of yourself mm-hmm. you know like i really do believe and a lot of people are like what's wrong with you like it's just you know it's 2018 and people hook up and it doesn't have to mean anything and i'm like yeah but still it's you know oh yeah no it definitely means something i feel yeah that's uh I don't even want to get into that conversation. <laughs> we don't have to go there. We can just talk about dildos for the rest of the time. <laughs> my friend, uh, my my older lesbian friend who was in a long-term relationship, she um, they broke up last year. And she was moving out of town because she, she very much was like, I need to get rid of everything that reminds me of this person, including the city I live in, um, <laughs> and move somewhere else. But she had they had bought a, a dildo, and it was too big. And so they had only used it once and then just threw it in like a, a drawer and it'd been there for like years. And then when she moved, she was like, Jenna, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> like, I don't know where to recycle it. And I was like, I will take it. And it was like $150 <laughs> dick. And so I took it and just washed it extra good. And then I used it a bunch, but it was unfortunate because I use it for camming too. And I, uh, so I basically just like suck it, you know, for the show mm-hmm. and so I kind of use my teeth a little bit because it's fun when just like having your mouth, and it's not it's not attached to anybody, so it's like whatever. No and then, uh, 
only after using it for like two months i started looking at around like the kind of underneath the head part because this one did look like a dick it it's like cracking all over because i think the silicone like got old by just like sitting in a drawer for years yeah because i didn't use it that much <laughs> and now i'm like annoyed because now i can't use it because it wouldn't be um sterile anymore because of like the crevices that yeah. i've created with the cracks yeah, I thought you were going to say something like it looked like a woodchuck had gotten to it. Yeah, so at this point, I'm going to like kind of bend it and like you can like see in it. So what do you stuff. do with it now? So now I still use it just to suck oh. on cam and now I bite it even more because I'm like, fuck it. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, Otherwise, you hang it on the wall and it'll make a nice coat hanger. Yeah. Or I'll take like nice like nudes with it. I'll like use it and take really sexy photos. But I've actually gotten a lot of like free free dildos this way. From other friends who've, like, two other ones from my friend, uh, D. Martin Austin. Shout out to them. They've given me two of their sex toys that they just didn't like. Um, <laughs> they've given them to me, and they're great. And then I got a free one once from being a stunt cock for a um, how-to-give-BJ class that Portland. Then my friend AJ, shout out to her. <laughs> also does in portland have you ever heard of this before no like a how to give a blowjob class <laughs> what's is there a secret that there's just like yeah i don't even a, i don't like i'm not sure if this is even interesting <laughs> to any of your audiences but there's just well, like some, some of the audience would want to know <laughs> yeah because everyone um, assumes they're doing it right because they're like look mm-hmm. i'm putting my mouth on it like this should be sufficient no there's a lot of i've seen the grapefruiting it. thing which you oh know, my gosh yes it, that lady's amazing like, so good <laughs> oh my god ouch uh yeah but people like um pay a lot of money to go to like a class where there's like 30 other people sitting in the same room uh listening to a, a lady talk about <laughs> how to give the best blowjobs all the like tricks and like anatomy and like how to like not tire your jaw <laughs> and use your eyes and hands and all these different ways and in order to do that she needs somebody to wear um a strap on so she can perform oh okay the things that she's talking about to the audience and i've done that twice and it's like the funnest thing i've ever done in my life because i get to kind of showboat and be a little bit like a comic too i kind of like get to joke around and say stuff as she's like sucking my dick and uh and i get to fake having an orgasm at the end it's really nice is that um planned or is it like when you decide that she's done well she tells me yeah she's like okay now this is our final like demonstration of the night okay um and i want you to come and I think at different times we practice different ways, like asking for consent to like come on her face and asking, mm. for, can I come in your mouth? And like, because that's also what the class is about. It's just like all those different things that unfortunately a lot of people just like don't even think about. They're just like, I'm supposed to have it. I'm supposed to give oral. And if I, and if I give oral, I'm supposed to start from finish, do everything the way like porn has told me forever. And yeah. you're not, you know, like yeah. you can, as the person who's giving it, also has a say in what happens and also maybe get some enjoyment out of it versus like oh this is a thing that i'm told i'm supposed to do and he seems to enjoy you know it's you know because so many people want their partners to enjoy it yeah so they just take their own pleasure out of it and that's not and then i mean that was the thing is a lot of you'd see a lot of these couples that come into it where the the male would be like just so 
like doesn't want it to be that way they don't just want to take that pleasure they actually really want their partner to have fun but they don't know how to like explain that to them yeah and so it's just a whole thing yeah so they take this class portland's so cute like that there's just a lot of like things like that so can i ask about camming oh yeah is that uh when did you get into that only like three months three or four months ago pretty new to it not making a ton of money doing it but um yet because i need to get more of a following but um you can follow me. Oh, can I name drop my cam? Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, it's like, this is why we do these things. I was going to ask you at the end to like promote yourself, oh, yeah. but okay, you I'll, can do I'll it in the middle it, yeah. and then we'll repeat it at the I'll end. We'll repeat it at the end. I'm on Chatterbait and I'm at Citrus Tits. All spelled out, just how you would think Citrus Tits is spelled out. Is that a, I'm really proud I got that name and didn't okay. have to add any numbers to it. I was like, is that a nickname from childhood? Or? I had just recently dyed my hair orange. And so I just was like, citrus tits. I don't know. <laughs> kind of nice. Um, but I am really into, like, public sex stuff. And one of my, like, actual, like, kinks is um, exhibitionism and voyeurism. So I don't, I don't know why it took me so long to get into it. Because, like, I actually enjoy it. And not that other people don't. Yeah. But some people do it just to do it or whatever. Um and a lot of sex workers obviously really love it too and they love what they do so i'm not i'm not saying like i'm the only one that does that but I, for me i was like oh my god i should be doing this cuz i enjoy masturbating for other people <laughs> so <laughs> why am i not making money doing this yeah so i don't know hopefully i'll be making more money eventually but i uh like the best i ever made once was like $25 an hour but that's still pretty good yeah, how for do you masturbating? Um, so it's just how many viewers you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they tip tokens, bitcoins. I guess I don't really know. I'm so tech dumb too, so it's like, I feel like I could be doing better uh, marketing, and what have you, and like having a Twitter account for it, and just so many things. Um, there's so much. Like, Sounds like comedy. Marketing. Yeah, there's so much marketing, and then you can like sell sell your Snapchat. Like you can create a sexy Snapchat that's different from your regular one, and then you can sell that to people so that you provide them with an X amount of like nudes um, for a certain price. Okay. And it's like, I could be doing that too. Cause I like taking nudes and I don't have that many people to send them to, which is a sad tragedy. And <laughs> well, so I think after this goes on the radio, that, that might all change. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, but I, ha- when I do, I'm on it, I do have fun and people seem to really like my, um, my energy with it. And it's clear that I'm having fun and like, yeah, I'm you into actually want to like enjoy yeah. doing it. And, uh, I just, I, I'm going to try to grow with it more and do more of it. Try a different website too. I had another friend of mine who's doing it, who suggests a different website and some marketing skills that I need to get better at. Yeah. When I said it's like comedy, I don't mean like it's comedy. I mean like it's comedy is doing your stand up, mm-hmm. but also marketing yourself. Oh, it like is. you are your own marketing department. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like that's the same thing for, for Camming. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, how do you know, you can have the greatest set of your life and you can have the greatest, yeah. you know, uh, I don't know what you, session mm-hmm. is that what you would call yeah. it, um, and it, and nobody sees it, it well, you know. Yeah, like what's the point? Yeah, I uh, I uh, one time I did actually tell I was pretty buzzed while I was doing it, <laughs> and I did tell some jokes. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> I was like, y'all, I'm just gonna start telling my jokes, and it was the weirdest thing because I was telling it to definitely like people watching, but no sound. You know, yeah. so it was like so weird to like, where's my pause breaks <laughs> and what have you? Because I don't yeah. actually practice comedy like that. I don't sit in my room and like say my jokes out loud. So that was foreign to me. Um, but I got a lot of people that really liked them though. And I did get tipped for it. And uh, nice. 
that was fun that's cool you get bitcoins i don't know if you know like 50 cent one of his albums he sold a bunch of them he let people pay in bitcoin and he forgot that he had it and that was like before bitcoin blew up and he made i think like seven million dollars or i forgot the amount so don't quote me on that if i'm wrong but it was just like this money sitting there and then all of a sudden he's like oh my god bitcoin blew up oh i have these ones over here so you know it might actually you know it could take i don't know people have all these different thoughts about about bitcoin and cryptocurrency and i don't i'm not a tech person either so i don't i I don't know um when did you start getting into stand-up though uh i've been doing it for uh actually oh shit maybe march first first was my second years second years wow i'm so good at talking (laughs) yeah i'm just celebrating my second year anniversary doing it congratulations thank you i've been doing it only in portland um and i've been having a really good time doing it uh yeah, it's been pretty fun. This is my first, like, um, festival that I've traveled for and first kind of, like, real festival in a sense. I helped last year um, with the first ever Portland Queer Comedy Festival and um, with Belinda Carroll as one of the co-founders uh, of that. And I helped her do social media. And then uh, she just, like, put it on, put me on it as a favor, I think, Um well, don't say that maybe i don't comedy. know like, uh, give yourself some credit thanks i don't know but then i ended up like well then i ended up killing it pretty yeah, good. yeah i, I definitely go. like once i was on the festival i then definitely I killed it. it yeah i definitely killed it pretty good and then um and then and i also did so good in the social media that now she's made me the director of social media for this year so we're when's gearing a, up it's actually like, when's a festival yeah july 18th through the 22nd in right. portland oregon applications the, open they are submissions actually just opened up last week um thank you for i'm so glad we're talking about this yeah because i didn't would know you guys had one okay i'm like i'm gonna apply actually <laughs> um yeah so you go to it's all spelled out portland queer comedy festival.com um last year we had uh guy branham on it we had julie goldman um maggie may aunt i mean some huge huge comics and then a lot of really great ones traveling from all over um and and then some local comics obviously and it was huge it was like four days multiple venues it was the best fucking time ever so we're really excited for the second year um so we're doing submissions right now i think they're through april and um and it's gonna be really great. Yeah, and they're gonna put you in it again. Yeah, you she's definitely it, gonna put me in it again for sure. Media director. And then I've been yeah doing the social media. Um, you can follow it at a PDX Queer Comedy Fest on Instagram is where we have a lot of the information. Nice. And uh, I love doing it. I'm a I'm really I'm I'm tech dumb on a lot of like weird things, but I'm really good at social media and marketing and just being on there. It doesn't bother me at all. Like, a lot of people don't like to look at their phone and see notifications. I live for that <laughs> shit, dude. I I'm turn like, them all off. Validation. And so. I can't. I can't handle it. I just, you know, I get texts so and get calls it. are the only things that pop up on my phone. Everything else. I have all the apps, but I have to click on them to make mm-hmm. it happen because if my phone blinks in the middle of the night, I'll get up and, like, I can't have anything blinking. That's so funny. Yeah, I know. I guess people have that kind of anxiety. I get it. It's just not me. I'm just like, yeah. It doesn't bother me to, like yeah create events and do things it's like what i live for so it's kind of nice um so what got you to do stand up like was this something you always thought you'd do yeah i was once like four five years ago i was like a um i randomly got asked to do a monologue for the vagina monologues and for a college production and i was given the 
monologue that's called My Angry Vagina, and it's the one that's the most, I would say, like a stand-up set. It's very much like just a woman up there ranting about all these things, and it's very funny. And um, I memorized it and just kind of went up there and did it. Uh, to the point where I had people come up to me after me afterwards and were like, is, did you write that? Like, is that yours? Like, did you just like set your stand-up set? And I was like, no, that's actually just somebody else's. But it felt so <laughs> natural and good. And it was really, um, yeah, something just like really clicked in that sense. And I had done uh, high school drama and was always um, really good as far as uh, I have zero stage fright and zero stage nerves. Um, but I never really liked theater that much because I felt like it wasn't me I had to be a character um and it took me years to realize that was what it was I never that I didn't stick with it it was because I didn't want to be a character yeah I, I to be myself I've, I've struggled with that on I was actually just talking to someone about when I tried to do improv because mm-hmm. I thought improv would help me uh, uh be oh more uh on stage move more have better movements like be more active ha- maybe do character yeah. impressions all that stuff and and I realized I hated it, and mm-hmm. it did because it's not authentic to me. Mm-hmm. Even if I maybe stand a little more still on stage than other comics, like I'm not Robin Williams <laughs> running all over the stage, but that's, that's him. Yeah, that's, that's fine. not me. Um, so you kind of, and I do better when I more natural, mm-hmm. um, and that's what you tap into. So I'm not a good actor either because mm-hmm. I can't get into the character's mindset. But you do have a good stage presence, and well, thank you. And it's it interesting a- that we're talking about it now because yeah, mm-hmm. like your jokes that I've heard the last two nights, if I can remember correctly, I mean, all of them are about you. Yeah. And that's the same for me. It's very hard for me to write like a joke about something that you make out of whole cloth, like a, a situation. Like I, I could, I imagine, do it, and I definitely make social commentary on things that are happening. But the rest of it's just all jokes based on your own life and your experiences. Yeah. Well, that way, number one, no one can say that I stole them because it's like, no, I was at that gynecologist, and mm-hmm. this is what happened to me. Um, and, and number two, I just I find minor those are funnier for me because they're more real for me. Um, I noticed like a lot of the Portland com. I'm here in San Francisco. A lot of the San Fran comics are here. There's a mm-hmm. bunch from Portland. There's some from L.A. and Washington, yeah. Boston, um, and, even. Yeah. And <laughs> everyone seems to have a lot of political stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe it's it's just me where like I actually get so angry that I can't make this funny. Mm-hmm. Um, or I think also in New Orleans, like we're not really as political and it's not really as politically minded as other places so yeah. i feel like that's just kind of you know what i'm coming out of yeah definitely but i think that's what's nice because then we can be authentic and we can be ourselves on stage and we don't necessarily have to worry about being this character yeah because you and get to just natural. you know share things about yourself and that's really cool and mm-hmm. you know be like yeah i have full body hair head to toe fuck mm-hmm. you if you don't yes, agree with me like that's and that's great and you get cheers and and people you know if maybe someone else who's thought about doing that but didn't have the mm-hmm. guts to do it you know maybe they'll you know that's one of my favorite things about doing it for sure i talk a lot about yeah i mean it's and like you said earlier like coming around on a uh, uh, an experience that wasn't pleasant and then years later making it taking it back and making it therapeutic for yourself and then funny for people yeah. And in a way, funny for yourself. I talk a lot on stage about my body um, and also my sexual assaults. And I also talk about my dead parents. And I talk about um, bullying. And uh, I feel like there's one other major thing that's taboo. And, um, oh, just being sexually promiscuous, I guess. People have trouble with that. Um and those things have really helped me. I mean, in so many ways, I've been the least, like, sad and depressed about my own issues since I started doing comedy. However, also, I've seen 
my anxiety increase <laughs> tenfold since doing comedy as far as like do people like me am I doing this right oh just, yeah once you let oh go of that God, and I don't stuff. know how to I don't know how to help you do oh, that please. but oh, darn. um you know once you can give like say I think Janine Garofalo has it where she's just like once you can not give a fuck and mean mm-hmm. it like you can say that and mean it it's going to just open up the, the world yeah. um for you for sure right but have you had people come up to you after shows and been like I relate to you on oh, this yeah. and I did a joke about my dead mom once at a bar and uh, this man came up to me and he was crying and he was like, thank you so much. He's like, that exact thing that you talked about uh, happened to me like last month. And it's such a random thing because it's basically the story. The joke's too long to do, but it's more or less me talking about the fact that I had a PB&J sandwich five feet from my dead mom's body because like after she died we had to wait for the hospice people to like come and pick her up and once you die in hospice they don't rush anymore because you're dead Mm -hmm. so we just had to sit with her and then you get hungry after two hours (laughs) but you don't want to leave because it's just like it's such a intense moment I don't know it's hard to explain um so I've made a joke about it and it's kind of a harsh one I don't do it a ton because people don't it's not that big of a payoff for it but the times I have done it, have been nice. And this one time, this guy came up to me and he's like, she just passed away last month. And I also sat with her and had my lunch. And it was a very um, isolating experience for me. And I never thought I could really like talk to anybody about it. And I was like, and I told him, I was like, I hadn't either. She's been dead for like over 10 years. And I rarely talk about that specific situation, that specific moment of me sitting there eating that sandwich until I came up with that joke. Yeah. And now I can talk about it without crying. Previous to that, <laughs> I would cry. Okay. So, yeah. So, progress. Like, <laughs> progress. And I remember the first time I did it on stage, I actually did almost cry because it was just so, like, <gasps> yeah. Like, this moment. And, like, those are the moments I just, like, really like. Yeah. And the fact that he related to it was so powerful. I couldn't. I was like, I have to keep talking about this stuff because I get pushback sometimes from people for talking about some of these subjects. And,. I'm not going to, I mean, because ultimately my, my career goals aren't to become like a famous comedian. I actually don't really want to do that. I just want to have a platform where I can talk about these things to make myself selfishly feel better and to like have moments like that with people. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's really great. I also think, you know, uh, like Lori Kilmartin has this uh, special she just released called 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And the first one's like a really cheesy joke and she's like, buckle in, we have 44 more. Like this is, but I think it's like, it's one of those topics that people, we all have to deal with it at some point in our lives, unfortunately, um, at one point or another. And Mm -hmm. I think it's been taboo to like really make jokes about it or talk about it before. But I think now that those things are kind of opening up where people are able to, you know, Mm -hmm. where you can have that moment on stage and share it with somebody else and maybe have a little comic relief even if it's for 30 seconds you know exactly it's totally worth it to me all right well great place for us to end on (laughs) dead mom jokes um but anyway can you just tell everybody where they can find you um Mm -hmm. at at this festival particularly and then just in portland and uh social media all that jazz promote the fuck out of yourself oh you guys are so sweet um tonight i am on a show that is called underwear only and it's at 10 p.m and it's the show where the comics will be telling their jokes uh nude or in underwear and i'm really excited to be on it this will be the third time i have told jokes nude on stage um in portland there's a show similar called comic strip and uh, the comics get naked as they tell their jokes. And I'm actually, as of two months ago, uh, started being the co-producer of that show um, oh, awesome. after being on it once last year and just like loving it and 
having a passion for it and I weaseled my way into being the co-producer so if you're ever in Portland uh, hit that up it's comic strip it happens on every last Friday of the month uh, wonderful show we love touring comics to come through if they're interested in doing it um, so that's tonight at 10 that I'll be doing that show here at Mutiny Radio um, you can follow me social media on all of the platforms I have the same uh, username and it's Jenna with a smile um, and you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, everywhere that way. And, um, I'm also, like I said, helping, uh, social media promote for the Portland Queer Comedy Festival happening this July 18th to the 22nd. And we want everybody who falls under the umbrella of all of the alphabet soup that you can say. Um, and we do have one straight show. So if you're a super ally and you think you're better than anyone else, definitely also submit um just there's a part where you can mention that in the application um so we do have the one straight show because we do have, we do care yeah about we're, we're inclusive yeah, we're that's inclusive whole thing. Yeah, we, we're open to everybody <laughs> um i think that's about it oh yeah and on uh chatterbait definitely follow yeah. me at citrus tits and i do shows pretty sporadically but when i do do them i do them and there might be jokes too yeah there might be jokes <laughs> All right, and thank you, Mutiny Radio, for letting us do this here. Uh, this is Near and Queer to My Heart podcast. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Um, and thank you to Pam Benjamin, who's amazing. All right, thank I'm Amanda you. G. Thanks. You sure you ain't been tailed, man?
Yep, it's Bug Out Square. It's, uh, well, it's, it's Tuesday morning. It's not Tuesday evening. But uh, it's uh, New Year's Eve and uh, got some big plans. Uh, partner got uh, some tickets to a uh, thing. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've been hearing his name all over the land. Yeah, this week on Bug Out Square, you know, like uh, well, a lot of people are doing. It's the uh, end of the year, last show of the year, and uh, last show of the decade. Does that mean much? I'm not sure. But, um... Uh, I got some good records, and I'm going to try to get back to um, this uh, this year of uh, contributors. So uh, we'll see. Sometimes when I go far back, uh, things are have become derelict, but we'll uh, we'll see how that works out. So thanks for doing what you got to do to do. This is Bug Out Square, and uh, 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 yeah, it should be good. Chased us out in the rain. Was that a vigilante man? Stormy days, we'd pass the time away Sleeping in some good warm place Man, come along and we give him a little race Was that a vigilante man? Preacher Casey was just a working man And he said, unite all you working men. Killed him in the river, some strange man. Was that a vigilante man? Vigilante man Why does a vigilante man Carry that sawed off shotgun in his hand Would he shoot his brother and sister down I rambled around from town to town I rambled around from town to town and they herded us around like a wild herd of cattle Was that the vigilante men? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've heard his name all over the land